What's going on, Duff Daddies and Duff Mamas? This is Brendan Monroe here from DuffinUp.com, bringing you another episode of the Duffin' Up podcast. We've got a big show for you tonight. We have so much to go through. BMW Championship Review. We're also going to talk about the European Tour today, as well as the Corn Ferry Tour Tour Championship. And of course, the LPGA Tour Commissioner's Mike Wan's comments during the week. But I think what is on everyone's mind right now is the ending to the BMW Championship. My goodness gracious, what a finish to a great event. We had John Rahm, we had Dustin Johnson going at it neck and neck throughout the back nine. John Rahm kind of coming out of nowhere, shooting a 64, a six under during a day where there were some 65s. Um, there were a couple of other decent rounds during the week but this was the first real day that people shot under par and like significantly under par i know dustin johnson went into the day with at three under par but overall there was no one really going low and it was amazing to be able to watch john rom just have a click on the back nine it was unbelievable to watch uh, dustin johnson was keeping with him the entire way um you know on that last eight on that last hole DJ had to sink a 43-foot putt. To be honest with you, when I was watching it, I couldn't believe. I didn't even. I couldn't believe. I didn't even think he was going to get it that close. Like he wasn't that close to it. He was 43 feet away. It was a left to right, and then came back in right to left. Like that was one of the hardest putts I think I've ever seen anyone read. And overall, it was a great putt. It was an amazing play by Dustin Johnson to even force the playoff. And we got to see what John Rahm does on the 18th hole again in the playoff. You know, first shot, not that great. Went right into the rough. Didn't look great. I don't think he was feeling it. DJ, for somehow, in some way, hit an awful drive off the fir- off the 18th hole. And it hit a tree, and it bounced right back into the fairway. Um, both of their approach shots were okay, not great. Uh, you know, John Rahm ended up being 66 feet away from the hole, which is unbelievable that, you know, even from the rough, most of the people were still coming up short of the green, still not, you know, hitting it into the greenside bunkers. The fact that he got it on the green is kudos for him, but overall was able to get down there 66 feet away, you know, looked like he was just lag putting it almost, just trying to get it close, trying to get it so that he could have a nice little tap in par. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just drops, dropped right in. He goes crazy. All of the volunteers that are watching go crazy. It was an absolute unbelievable showing from John Rahm on that hole to be able to see that and have that sink. And then, of course, it was Dustin Johnson's turn to answer. He had about a 44-foot putt as well. So he was pretty, he was kind of in the range that he just hit a little while ago. And he got, he went for it and he got it so close. It was, if he would have given it just a tad more, I think it actually would have gone in. So unfortunately, we could only have one winner and that ended up being John Rahm. But boy, what a show he put on the weekend. Going into Friday, he was six over par. So being that much out of it and being able to claw and and scrape your way back into it, it's nothing short of impeccable. Honestly, I am so happy that John Rahm was able to do this because he deserved it. He finished up with 66 and 64. 
no one on the course had even shot a 66 until uh, Kevin Streelman did it on Saturday. Barely anyone this week was able to play a single round under par. And he just went out and started stroking it on Saturday and then got to two over. And, you know, no one really gave him a chance. I definitely didn't give him a chance. I didn't think he was going to be anywhere close. So he comes in, has a great start to the round, two under par on the front nine. And then all of a sudden he makes that turn and he just goes off. 10th hole, birdie. 12th hole, birdie. 15th, birdie. 16th, birdie. He had a little bit of a chance as well on 18 that I thought he could have made to close out the tournament. But if he would have done that, we wouldn't gotten the unbelievable ending that we did. And I'm so happy we got that ending. So now going ahead and taking a look at the rest of the top five, we already talked about Dustin Johnson, put on a great performance, was the 54 hole leader. And, you know, I had my doubts about him this week going into it. I thought that he wasn't going to do that great. Usually after a win, he kind of slides back a little bit. That's pretty normal. Not everyone can be Tiger Woods or Sam Snead out there and just go back to back all the time. You know, some people need some breaks like that. And I felt as though this was going to be a course that challenged DJ because he had won a U.S. Open before, but usually he struggles a little bit with his accuracy off the drive. He does pound it, but sometimes he gets a little wayward. So overall, I thought this was going to be a little bit of a tough course for him. And boy, was I wrong. Because he came out and he absolutely dominated. Dominated again. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, in my in back of my mind, I'm just like, I need to stop doing picks because I get them wrong 24-7. I mean, there's nothing else that I can say besides Dustin Johnson has proven me wrong again this week. After that, we had two tied for third. We had Joaquin, Joaquin Neiman and Hideki Matsuyama. Joaquin Neiman went minus three on his day. Matsuyama went minus one. Both ended up at minus two, which is a great score for a course like this. Overall, I felt as though Neiman definitely had a, a great day. He was able to climb up from 31, which would have been out of the Tour Championship, up to 18. So that was huge for him. That was massive, massive for him. Overall, just a great performance from him, and I'm really happy that we're going to be able to see him next week at Eastlake. Hideki Matsuyama is kind of expected now. You know, he performs very, very well at the all these events, and I think he'll continue to perform well at them. He moved up from 18th to 10th, so he's got a shot next week, and I think he could do pretty well. And finally, rounding out the top five, we have Tony Finau. Tony Finau ended up with a minus one score. He was the only other person besides the top four to be under par. Everyone else was even or lower. Overall, I felt as though as he had a fantastic round, 565, was able to go five under on the back, which as we all know from looking at it this week was definitely the harder of the two nines. And I felt as though after Tony missing the cut last week in Boston, I really felt he needed a good bounce back. He got a great bounce back this week. He was really able to show people that he still belongs in these big tournaments and that he still does uh, make a difference out there. You know, he was able to keep his area. He started out 29th. He ended 20th, which is great for him. Um, Overall, it was a great, great tournament for him. And he'll be able to go in next week, uh, you know, with a couple under par starting out. And, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. And on to probably... The biggest winner of this week, besides John Rahm, was Olympia Fields. This was the North Course's tryout to have another U.S. Open. Then boy, oh boy, did it shine. 
an unbelievable test for these players. You know, I didn't think after last week we were going to have another 30 under followed up by 20 and a lot of people in the teens and, you know, the cut at minus three. But at the same time, I didn't know that we were going to have only five players under par for the entire tournament. That's an unbelievable stat. Unbelievable stat. Only five players under par for the entire tournament. That is a U.S. Open course. And to be honest with you, I'm very happy that this came about at this time. I know usually during the Tour Championship, it's another shootout. So overall, I'm so happy that we were able to see a course that truly challenged the players. And this one definitely did. You know, I could see the PGA looking at this and the USGA looking at this and being like, all right, Olympia Fields, like, we get it. You guys want to do a hard course. We haven't had the U.S. Open here since 2003 with Jim Furyk. All right, we're coming back. Like, good job. We'll, we'll plan you in the future. And I think that'd be a great opportunity for Olympia Fields to get back out into the Open because this tournament was probably, so far, the hardest tournament that pe- that they have played because it was an unbelievable shape. But at the same time, the rough was grown out for two weeks beforehand. The greens were incredibly fast and they were rolled. The fairways were small. It was what a U.S. Open course is. So I can see in the future that the USGA is going to take a long, hard look. They had the amateur there in 2015. They had the women's open there in 2017. I could see them bringing the men's back there because boy, oh boy, was that a challenging course. And I don't know how they made it a little easier on Sunday. I thought people were going to go even further into the overpar. But I think that Wingfoot will play like this, um, you know, in two weeks' time. But overall, what a difficult, difficult course it was. And hats off to those guys at Olympia Fields for making it that way. And I think because the course was so hard that we got to see a lot of dramatic moments for the FedEx Cup Top 30. I mean, we saw Corey Connors double 18 with a three-putt from five feet away. Like, he was in the Top 30. All he had to do was not make double bogey. And he ended up on his par putt, putting it a little to the right. On his bogey putt, lipped it out, and then on his double bogey in. That let Billy Horschel come into the field. We also saw Corey Connors' countryman, Mackenzie Hughes, sink a par putt at 18 to stay within the top 30. You know, you get a lot of these where you get to see um, hopefully some different players come around. You know, everyone wants to see Tiger. I wanted to see Tiger next week. But he just had a terrible, terrible, terrible week. And I knew that he wasn't going to make it probably from Saturday when he kept pushing back and he needed to finish in the top five. And he was nowhere near close hit. Um, overall, I think that while everyone wants to see Tiger, everyone wanted to see Jordan Spieth probably this week. Like everyone wants to see Phil Mickelson, even though he just dominated on the Champions Tour. And we probably won't see him on the Champions Tour again for a year because of that. But we want to see the stars. And it is nice sometimes when we get to see a guy like Mackenzie Hughes make it. We get to see a Joaquin Neiman make it. You know, there's some other great players that did miss out. Like Adam Long, like he's had an unbelievable year. He's had a great year with a couple top fives. Um, You know, has really, really played well. And unfortunately, he was 31st. He just missed out. So there are definitely going to be some times where... While we all want to see the stars, while we all want to see the stars play really well, it's really good for some of these other players to be able to get in because not only is it their livelihood, but then you get to see them continue to play well and you get to see the next group of players come up too. 
And as always, in the last part of the PGA Tour review, we will do our DraftKings lineup review. And spoiler alert, we didn't do well again. No surprise there because I've been having a tough time these past two weeks after winning it at the Wyndham. Uh, first off, Taylor Gooch finished tied for 65th with a plus 15. You know, he's 15 over the first two days and then, you know, one over on Saturday and one under on Sunday. There's really nothing you can do from there. Like, you're just kind of looking at it and I'm just like, what happened, man? You've been playing so well. And then out of nowhere, this. You know, it just happens. I mean, that's golf. But, you know, I really expected him to do a lot better this week. He was one of my safety picks, and I felt as though with him being at 6,600, he would have been a great pick, but it ended up not. Harris English came in at T40 with a plus eight, uh, had a horrendous back nine on Sunday. Uh, He went bogey, bogey, double uh, from 11 to 13. That really killed him for the rest of the round. So, unfortunately, a T40 there. Xander, Daniel Berger, and Kevin Kisner all at plus six at a T25. Uh, Xander and Berger both were fine. Daniel Berger was at even. Xander had minus one. Kisner had a terrible day. Kisner started out in the top five and then slowly but surely made his way back, finished four over under all. And finally, the slow and steady man himself, Lonto Griffin, he was able to finish out at a top ten, plus two overall. We had a bad day. We had a bad weekend with DraftKings, unfortunately. Um, with the tour championship, I'm not sure how they play it. So it'll be interesting to play next week. I've actually never played it for the tour championship, so we'll give it a go. We'll see how Eastlake goes, but yeah, you know, thank God a lot of you don't listen to me on this stuff because you would have been howling at me this week. I felt as though my picks were going to do a lot better. And unfortunately a lot of them just kind of, you know, shot the bed. So happens. It's unfortunate, but we move on and we move on to better things. Now, switching course a little bit, uh, I wanted to talk about the European Tour Roundup of the UK Championship this week because, boy, oh, boy, do we have a rising star on our hands. He is 19-year-old Rasmus Hoygaard, and he was able to win a playoff this week over Justin Walters for the UK Championship. Uh, Hoygaard was nowhere near the top of the leaderboard when the round started. He ended up shooting a Final round 65. It was tied for one of the best for tied for the best round of the day. Not one of the best rounds, just the best round. Tied for the best round of the day. Uh in order to get himself into the playoffs to even start. Um this is his second European Tour win of the year. He also won the Mauritius Championship. And he's only 19 years old. So I think we are going to start seeing a lot more of Rasmus Hoygaard, both stateside and on the European tour. He was able to beat out Sam Horsfield for the Order of Merit Award, which is given to the best performance on the UK circuit for the European tour. There are about six tournaments on the UK circuit every year, and Hoygaard was able to play well in pretty much all of them. He finished second place in one of them. He finished tied third in another. You know, he was at the Belfry this week, and he just had the best rounds. He just had it going, and he is an unbelievable player. Um, He was able to bring himself up to fourth overall in the race to Dubai leaderboard. It's kind of funny that Colin Morikawa is currently leading that as the only major champion of this year, but overall, I think, um, you know, this is a big deal for not only the nation of Denmark, which is not totally known as a big golfing nation. They've had Thomas Bjorn. Um, but besides that, it is 
kind of a smaller golfing nation in Europe um, until Rasmus Hoygaard. He won a the 2018 Eisenhower Cup with uh, the Den- Danish team alongside his twin brother, which is kind of funny. And over uh, this really brings the nation of Denmark up and it brings the European tour up as well to have some of these rising stars come through their ranks. We always hear about the corn Ferry tour, um, you know, seeing some of the best young Americans playing on there. We also hear about the McKenzie tour with a lot of Canadians coming up that then transfer over into the corn Ferry tour. But overall I feel as though the European tour doesn't get as much love as I would like to have over here. Um, and it's just because, you know, they start their rounds four in the morning stateside on the east coast alone coverage usually ends around noon so you know 9 a.m west coast so never mind even watching it on the west coast you're not even going to catch it so while i understand why it doesn't get enough love i'm going to give it love because i find it absolutely fascinating um and the course he won at the belfry it was in the Ryder cup a couple years ago um overall i feel as though this kid's going to be a star. He qualified for the U.S. Open at Wingfoot in a couple weeks, so we get to see him stateside. And he is a superstar in the making. Like, I can see this kid not having Rory McIlroy levels because Rory McIlroy was qualifying for PGA Tour events at 16. But you could say that he's one of the biggest prospects since Rory McIlroy to come out of Europe. And we have seen Tommy Fleetwood. We have seen a bunch of other guys come through. But I think this kid's the real deal. I think Rasmus Hoygaard could shock a few people when he comes to Wingfoot in a couple of weeks. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and win. But I could definitely see him making the cut. I could definitely see him playing very well. And I could see him going home with a nice fat paycheck from Wingfoot and hopefully showing us Americans over here you know, how good Danish golf has become and how good Danish golf can become behind the likes of Rasmus Hoygaard. So staying on this topic of the future of not just the PGA Tour, but golf in general, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour Championship happened this weekend out in Indiana at Victoria National. And surprise, surprise, another 65 was able to win it on the final day. Brandon Wu was able to shoot a 7-under 65 on the last day to win the Corn Ferry Tour Championship by one stroke. Uh, the former Stanford alum, it was his first Corn Ferry Tour win. Um, he was a graduated from Stanford in 2019. And one of the coolest things about this win is just earlier this year, Brandon Wu was still going out on Mondays and trying to qualify for Corn Ferry Tour events. Now, I know many people have heard of Monday qualifiers in the PGA Tour. They also do them for the Corn Ferry Tour for some of the guys that aren't automatically in the field for that week. So he was going into Corn Ferry Tour Monday qualifying, playing his butt off and just trying to make tournaments. Um, From this, you know, he came into the tournament this week, 48th in the 25. Um, For those of you that don't know, the top 25 players of the Corn Ferry Tour get their PGA Tour card and get to play in the PGA Tour for the next year. So coming in at 48th, he had to have a great week in order to get his PGA Tour card. With the win, he ended up going from 48th to 5th. So a nice couple spots up. He'll be playing next year on the PGA Tour. I'm looking forward to it. I think he has a load of potential. Um, I think he could be another one of these players that comes up and is a mainstay on tour for a while. 
Um, so we'll be able to continue to watch Brandon Wu. There's another uh, Will Slatoris is also coming up. There's a lot of other players that we're going to be seeing a lot of. And it's really cool being able to watch some of the Corn Ferry Tour guys go through the process, have to grind week in, week out. And overall, I feel like that really helps their golf game. And it really helps their career as well, knowing what it takes to get onto the PGA Tour. And while we usually like to end our episodes on a high note, unfortunately this week we do have to talk a little bit about not the best topic in the world, and that was the LPGA Tour Commissioner Mike Wan coming out to speak about the Sophia Popoff situation. And, you know, he released this four and a half minute video on the LPGA Tour's Instagram and social media accounts, and he came out and basically said that the rule that is in place right now for giving exemptions um, is not a great rule. It's not. For those of you that don't know the Sophia Popov situation, I wrote a blog about it. But basically, if you are an LPGA Tour member already and you win a major tournament, you get five years exemption. No questions asked. You also get five years exemptions into the next, into the other majors on the LPGA Tour. Unfortunately for Sophia, she was not a member of the LPGA Tour when she won. She was actually a member of the Symmetra Tour, which is a lot like the Corn Ferry Tour for PGA. Um, it's just one of those uh, you know, mini tours that are really there to help players come up into the LPGA Tour. So with this, they had to come out and say, well, she doesn't get her exemption until 2025. She actually only gets an exemption until 2021. People were outraged. People were very upset and they had the right to be. Um, so Mike Wan came out and he talked about that ruling. He said that they're going to look into that rule and that rule may be changed. And I think it should be changed. Um, but the thing that I didn't like is that they're not going to let Sophia Popov into the ANA inspiration, which happens in a few weeks. Because she wasn't originally qualified for it when it was in April, they said that it was set. It was a set amount of people that are in it, even though people have dropped out since. So therefore, they won't let them in. I disagree with this wholeheartedly. I disagree with this completely. If I was the chair of the ANA Inspiration, I would immediately get one of my exemptions out and I would give it to Sophia. Because let's be honest here, she deserves it. She went out ranked 304th in the world. And she won the Women's Open by three shots and pretty much dominated. Dominated. No one was even close to her for the entire weekend. She had such a great performance there. There is no way that someone can look at that and be like, yeah, she played good there. But you know what? We shouldn't have her in our tournament. I'm just sitting here wondering why. Like, I get Mike Wan's perspective that he's like, well, we're not going to make the exception now. These rules are in place. We're going to play out these rules for the year. Then we're going to look at the rule. We'll probably change the rule. We'll probably make it more lenient. But you're still looking at it as a rule. Where I'm looking at it as this needs to be an exception because not only of how well she played, but just everything going on with it right now. You want your best players in these tournaments. You want these best the best people and the best players, and you want the publicity, especially if you're the LPGA Tour, which, you know, have been struggling for attendance a little bit, 
but they're still trying to get a lot of their names out. They're still trying to get the next Danielle Kang on here. They're still working on getting more Georgia Halls. They're working on getting a lot of new players on the tour, and I feel as though this would be a great opportunity for them to look at the rule and say, hey, we know this is the rule in play, but guess what? We're throwing it out. We're giving her an exemption into the tournament. If she doesn't make the cut, we get it, but at the same time, she deserves to be in this tournament. We'll look at the exemption rules for the LPGA Tour card for the next couple years and see what we can do to fix that and remedy that but we at least need to let her into this tournament so hopefully they change their minds but let's be honest they're probably not going to because the golf world is very stubborn and the lpga tour is the same way (sighs) just so unfortunate but what can you do so that's our show for this week everyone i just wanted to say thank you so much for listening in really means a lot to me that we're getting some downloads that we're reaching new people If you can, please rate, subscribe, download, do anything uh, to get this show out there. I'd really appreciate all of your support. One of the things that I would like to start doing is uh, do something called Muni Monday, which is getting all the picks from the weekend, um, having them sent over. We can post them on Duffin Up uh, through Instagram or through Twitter, just naming the municipal course that you played. So, you know, trying to get the public golf courses out there as well, because they definitely need help right now. I know many of my listeners do play public courses. I play a ton of public courses as well. So overall, we just want to grow that and we want to try and make Muni Monday a thing. So if you guys have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to us uh, on Facebook at Duffin Up Blog, on Twitter at Duffin Up Blog, Instagram at Duffin Up Blog. Um, We would really look look forward to getting some support from you guys and we would really love to make this kind of a thing for mondays so thank you all again for listening go on out there and duff it up